All right, what's up, everyone? It's Zach, and today I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Barry Carenza. Barry, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm super excited to have you on today. Uh, for those of you listening back home, Barry is a really, really awesome uh, person. He has, he's doing a lot of cool things. So he's um, he has a, his own podcast. So he's a fellow podcaster, which we love. He also um, is a video game industry analyst, and he is big into collecting video games and video game memorabilia, I guess you can call it, or just collector's editions with it. Um, but that's just kind of buried from a surface level. Do you mind going a little bit more into your background, who you are, what you're doing, all that good stuff? Sure, sure. So as Zach said, my name is Barry. Uh, I am a uh, gaming collector, uh, it, you know, just on the, not only video games, but like you said, game memorabilia or systems or just forgotten stuff i always like to collect the stuff that most people have never heard about because i find those the most interesting i'm also an industry analyst uh, have been for well over a decade i've been uh, podcasting for over a decade now uh, with nintendo fuse uh, where we do podcast every other monday night we do that live on youtube at 8 30 p.m eastern uh, also uh, co-host with the premium playcast we usually do that once a month uh, which you could find on, on all podcasting services, as well as uh, premium edition games, where we uh, publish awesome digital titles physically for the Nintendo Switch, the PlayStation 4, and the PlayStation 5. That is so awesome. That's why I said, like, you know, I'm super excited for this conversation just because as someone that loves gaming myself, it's just really cool just to to know the kind of work that you have been doing for quite a while and just to know that you're like, this is this is your wheelhouse. This is truly something that you love and that you're really passionate about. Yeah, uh, to a fault. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it does take up a large portion of my life, uh, which which I'm I'm happy about. And thankfully, I have a very supportive wife. Uh, I don't have a very supportive bank account, though. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's not exactly the cheapest of hobbies, too. No, yeah. no, especially with uh, some of the, the collecting with a lot of like the the more vintage stuff. I know prices have kind of skyrocketed over the last couple of years. Insane. It's it's all insane. So, very video games. Where where did that passion come from? What got you into it? What's like your earliest memories with video games? Birth. I'm one of the few that could actually say birth. Uh, which is actually rare for someone born in the early 80s. Uh, my, uh, my uncle, um, on my mom's side, he actually owned a software store. And I say software store because that's what it was. You know, it was a video game store. It was a software store. Sold games, but other software for computers because game consoles weren't very big at the time. It was more computer gaming. And uh, right you know, from birth, my, my parents already had uh, the Atari 8-bit computer, the 800, uh, as well as the uh, Commodore 128. So literally my earliest memories are playing those cartridge games, you know, the, the 8-bit versions of Pac-Man, Centipede, Minor 2049er, Pit Stop, you know, the whole, you know, even the, the floppy, you know, floppy disk <laughs> games like Agent USA, uh, you know, just all that, those great, great classic games. And, you know, I remember gaming <laughs> a time before uh, Nintendo was really a big player. I mean, my first time mm -hmm. playing Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers was on the Atari. Uh, the Nintendo wasn't a thing. So uh, right from the start, I, I just got absorbed into it, you know, with, with my mom, with my, well, not so much my mom, but my uncle and my, uh, my dad really 
bracing it and there was something to do with them and something to keep me busy and uh as i got older it just i just stayed with it i i never stopped i just looked forward to every new system and every new game and and whatever i could get my hands on especially you know as a kid you don't have disposable income so whatever you can borrow from a friend's house or if you go to a friend's house whatever games they had if they had a different game it was like that was the one i want to play because it's something mm -hmm. new and i could experience something new and uh it never stopped and to this very day i really like that i think that's interesting because i feel like with with certain passions or even video games for me there were definitely periods where i did kind of like it a little bit and whether that was like i just got busy or just you know forgot about consoles in, in general for a minute and just you know was occupying my time otherwise um I did have that moment where I just like went away from it for a couple of years. So it's cool to know that it's always been a consistent pattern of yours. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I always switched between, uh, you know, systems uh, mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, a lot of times I didn't get systems right when they came out. Uh, so while people were playing like the SNES, I, I finally got an, an NES for myself because of, you know, it was one of those things where mom's like, Oh, you know, you have video games at home and video games at home was like the Atari. Uh, but I wanted Nintendo at that point. And, you know, I, mm -hmm. I got to play Sega and, and, you know, different friends' houses and got a Game Boy. You know, I traded baseball cards for the friend to get game, to get a Game Boy. And I cherished that. And whatever games I could get, whatever games I could find, uh, you know, it was an untapped market. There weren't lists online. The Internet wasn't a thing. You know, I used to go to like my library in, in elementary school and in middle school and they, they actually had like those books, you know, how to win on video games, those unofficial books. <laughs> and I used to find those and I used to flip through and I would find games. I'm like, I didn't even know this game existed. You know, yeah. and I would make a note like this game does exist. And, and I would, uh, you know, sometimes I would go to the, the copy machine because that's what we had back then. Mm -hmm. And I would copy the pages of <laughs> hints and I would take those home. So I had the hints whenever I found the game, I, I knew what to do. Um, but yeah, even, even when I went to college and I dormed, you know, I didn't really bring a system because I, I happened to go and, uh, tell, you know, the, the fall of 2001 and, uh, you know, the PlayStation was just out of the PlayStation two. Um, but I didn't have a PS2 and the Dreamcast, I didn't have that, that, and that was dead at that point anyway. Um, I didn't get a Dreamcast of the following year, but I was waiting for the GameCube and the GameCube wasn't out yet. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to bring the 64, which had nothing really out in 2001 that I hadn't already played. So, uh, you know, I, I got back into PC gaming while I was, you know, at college and, you know, back to playing like Diablo 2 and, and Vox and Heroes of Might and Magic 3 and, you know, and then emulation, you know, I, even though I had a GBA, a lot of games I just emulated at that time because it was easy on a dorm room because I had my computer and uh, you know, of course, the GameCube and Smash Melee was it was a big thing yeah. at that point. But <laughs> but then as I started getting more income, you know, during college and starting to work, I was able to go back and get a Saturn and PS2 and and you know the original Xbox and when just just doing that. And a lot of times, I you know we didn't have the problem, and I use problem in quotes as we do now, where there's too many games. Yeah, uh, there was there was drought. So I was like, oh, well, there's a, you know, a little bit of time between big games. What do I do? Well, I just got a PS2 and I didn't have a PS1. I played at my friend's house. So I went to the store and I bought a crap ton of PS1 RPGs and stuff I missed because I had the N64 instead. So I'll spend that time playing those games and enjoying them because they were new to me. And, uh, you know, it just it just steamrolled and at this point yeah. it's impossible to play them all like i feel bad for anyone coming into the world right now because it's impossible to play all these games
It really is. I mean, I, I think anyone in the gaming community always, you know, has that like running joke about like your backlog and just like how many games are in it. And I, I just like I get overwhelmed when I think about like how many games I have and, um, you know, on, on certain platforms, uh, PlayStation, for example, you get like the the monthly PlayStation Plus games um, with the online subscription. So I have those for days and I'm like, oh, I need to get to some of these. But it, it's just so hard to get every every game in that you want to play. Oh, absolutely. See, I don't even do the subscription thing because you don't get to keep it. And, That's true. And I don't, I don't like renting. I'd rather own it. That's why I'm a physical collector. I want to own my games. But yeah, I mean, any people ask like, oh, what do you think of this game or that game? And, and a lot of that stuff I play on the easiest difficulty or the story difficulty. Uh, and it's not because I can't handle the challenge. It's because the back my backlog's too huge. And I just want to be able to play an experience without frustration and, and just enjoy a game for what it is and enjoy the story for what it is. And whether I completed a hundred percent or I just complete the story and say, I've had enough uh, depends on my love for the game, but it also depends on what else is out there. Uh, like this, this fall, this past fall was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think, I think for two months, I, I didn't have it break. I just played <laughs> games. Like I didn't, I didn't even get to my backlog. It was all new games. And, um, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's fun though because every game is, is different and everyone can play every game differently and and everyone should play games differently. Everyone should play what what they like and you know some people will be like, oh, I'm in like my 300th hour in Elden Scroll or Elden Ring, and I'm like, oh, you know, Elden, that's great. I did 145 hours and I I beat the game and I said, okay, I'm good. I got to move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the cool thing about video games that you can kind of do it in whatever way that you want there's not like a right or wrong way and i think like I, it was really cool hearing you say that like you like to play on like the easiest difficulty or story difficulty just to you know enjoy the game and and you know not have to put countless hours trying to do something that you know is not that you can't handle the challenge like you said but just like it's unnecessary because i'm the same way like i just you know with balancing work life family social life all that kind of stuff it's like i just want to be able to kind of relax and just zone out for a couple hours and play a game so it's like let's just play on the you know uh, let's just play to have fun you know i don't need to platinum a game i don't need to you know sink hours and hours into it just like let's have fun and just not get frustrated (laughs) yeah i i mean i i don't usually i think i like two platinums uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't go to platinum games. I don't go for the full achievement scores or whatever. I just play. Uh, sometimes, like when I finish a game, I'll look and go, "Oh, well, if I if I just sell all my stuff, I'll instantly get an achievement for having the most money." Like, let me just boot mm-hmm. up the game one last time, sell everything in the shop. Look, there's a trophy. Boom. Okay, uh, <laughs> I turn it off and just go like, "Cool, whatever." Um, but yeah, I, I think as a kid, you know, when you don't have more disposable income and you mm-hmm. you really only get games at like holidays, birthdays, you know. You know, maybe if you do well or you, you work around the house and you have an allowance, uh, you really try to milk a game for all it's yeah. worth more. Like, I remember <clears throat> GoldenEye. Like, I got every cheat unlock in GoldenEye. And if you've never done that, that involves doing every single level and it, within a certain amount of time. And you couldn't fail those objectives and you had to do them. And, and that was not easy. That <laughs> was replaying levels <clears throat> to a perfection and probably well over 100 hours just in the single player to do that and just for a cheat code to get a big head or or to use paintballs or or something stupid and and today i never would do that i would play through the game and and get through and go okay and move on i would never bust my butt to do that but 
in high school, I, that was my game. I wasn't going to get another game for months. What else am I going to do? Well, it's an objective to work for. And I had fun doing it. And it was great for that time period. Um, and I do not regret doing it. I'm glad I did do it. But it's also one of those things where I've moved on from that. You know, certain things will get me 100%. You know, like Mario, mm -hmm. I'll collect all the, the stars. Or I just did uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. And I 100% of that game. It was just fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, but then at the same time, I did God of War Ragnarok where I completed the story and I you know, saw the ending, but I did not find all of the, the ravens and, you know, the, the eyes of Odin or whatever, um, you know, and I didn't, didn't a hundred percent all the side quest or whatever. And I was yeah. fine with that because I got to see the story. Same with like Bayonetta three. I didn't find the, the, all the ravens and the frogs and the, the cats and every level and, and a hundred percent. And I played that, oh, you know, in the easy difficulty with the, the purple medals and I didn't care. I just wanted to see the story and have mm -hmm. fun with the combat and see the craziness that platinum put out. And I beat the game and I enjoyed it. And I, okay, I moved on. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with, you know, going for a hundred percent. I see people who have done it and I'm like, you know what? Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I think you brought up a good point that like when you're younger, I mean, I even think back to when I was when I was a kid. Um, without having that disposable income, yeah, you you try to get as much out of games as you can because you know you might get you know three games in a year or something, right? So, um, it's definitely kind of like, like you said earlier, maybe our, our bank accounts aren't too happy with us these days, <laughs> but um, we definitely have more more flexibility and freedom, I guess you could say, to to check out different games or multiple games. Um, but yeah, just like to play you know, at your own pace and to play the way that you have fun, I think is super important. I think that, uh, you know, I, I love the video game community, but I think sometimes, uh, you know, we can get a little caught up in like, oh, you have to, you know, play this way. You're like, if you don't play on like this difficulty, you know, you're not really experiencing it or whatever, but it, that's not the point of it. It's just have fun. Right. And there's different ways to do that for everyone. I think people get caught up in feeling that their way is the only justifiable way. <clears throat> and maybe it's their way of convincing themselves to go through whatever gauntlets they go through. And, and I don't understand it. You know, the whole console war thing, yeah. uh, I always laugh at because from a, from a marketing standpoint, you know, early days, you know, in television would attack Atari um, in marketing. And of course the, the, the famous, you know, Sega attacking Nintendo. And then afterwards, you know, Atari coming back to do the math, attacking them both. And, uh, that was all marketing. And I get that. And I think as children on the schoolyard, when you can only have one console, you had to defend it because it was like, mm -hmm. well, this is my decision or my parents' decision. And I, I absolutely had to convince myself that, that, you know, my parents got me this system. Therefore, it's better than the other ones and, and yeah it, it's a very childish mentality and when i see adults doing it now and i'm just like really like come on you should have <laughs> enough money to buy not, not necessarily you have to buy them all but you should have enough money to purchase all the systems and to be able to play on everything and and if someone chooses xbox over or sony or or you know sony over nintendo or nintendo over xbox or whatever uh, it doesn't matter let them enjoy the game let them play the game uh, right. And I, I really, it bothers me when I see people put others down because of their choice of platform. Even if it's like, oh, well, you're playing the Switch version, you should be playing the PlayStation or the Xbox version. It runs at 60 frames per second instead of 30. Whatever. Maybe the person needs to be portable. Maybe they like they like the Switch. Maybe they, they mm -hmm. don't see frame rates like you do. Like, what does it matter? If they're enjoying the game, let them enjoy the game. Uh, you know, it's just, it's so silly. 
That's yeah. just like collecting. You don't see so many people be like, oh, well, you don't have this game? Oh, well, your collection is <laughs> inferior to mine. Like, no. Right. Every collection is special. Every collection is personal. It doesn't matter if you have five games or you've got 50,000 games. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a matter of are you happy with it? And it's right. All that matters is your happiness, not what other people think. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, just kind of on the topic of having your own interests or just like doing your own thing in, in kind of like the gaming sense. I, I am curious, Barry, is there any like games that you've played recent or that are recent or that you've played throughout your life that like there's a lot of hype around? Everyone says it's like the greatest game, but you were just like, nah, this wasn't for me. Uh, I mean, well, tons. Uh, okay. First, I mean, I'm not a big first person shooter fan anymore. Like I used to okay. be, like I mentioned, GoldenEye. Yeah. Uh, and if I went back and played GoldenEye right now, like the N64 version, I would probably puke. Because as I got older, <laughs> I did uh, first-person games, just not even shooters, just first-person games, started to give me vertigo, okay, and make me uh, dizzy. So GoldenEye and its terrible frame rate would absolutely make me puke. Um, but you know, so so obviously like, things like Call of Duty, um, okay. not not doing it for me. I know tons of people enjoy it, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Let them yeah. enjoy it. Uh, you know, same with like Battlefield or any first-person. Like certain games, I push myself. Like Bioshock Infinite, I push myself you know do okay. and i enjoyed it but yeah. but it was like that was a, a few and far between i did some skyrim but like everyone's going crazy for <laughs> elden rolls uh, elden scrolls 6 coming out and i'm probably not going to touch it because it's first person in starfield oh my god it's elden scrolls in, in, in space it's skyrim yeah. in space and again it's like all right you know like you go crazy for it you enjoy <clears> the hell out of it i hope you i hope it's the greatest game in the world for you right but for me i'm not gonna go for it People, people going crazy for Elden Ring is actually what got me to play it because okay. I just kept seeing so many people. I'm like, all right, let me give this game a try because I didn't even pre-order it. I was not interested. There was not a single trailer in that game that interested me. Like not a single one got me excited for that game. And I tried it and I really did enjoy it. And it was <laughs> it was up there uh, on my list for 2022. It was not my game of the year, but it was definitely one of those games that it, it beat my expectations. Um, other people were saying the same thing with God of War Ragnarok. I enjoyed God of War Ragnarok, but it wasn't, to me, it wasn't anything special. It was, it was a good okay. story. You know, it was fun, but it, it, I played a lot of better games than God of War Ragnarok this year. Um, or this past year, I should say. It's, it's now past the new year. Yeah. Um, Got to get used to that. But, you know, there's, there's a ton of, of great titles out there that uh, one of the biggest ones probably is Final Fantasy VII you know yeah. so many people love that game that is the greatest game of all time and i think it's a mediocre to you know final fantasy you know there was nothing that seven did that the previous six didn't already do better outside of put a motorcycle in it but i don't play final <laughs> fantasy for motorcycles it's, you know eight added cars i'm like oh this is going down the wrong way thank god for nine um you know, I think think it was absolutely an overrated game, and I still do. I and I think Square is huh. just using it to to um, get their paycheck because everything yeah. else they're doing has been pretty crappy. Babylon's Fall and Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a good game, but it didn't sell well. And 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 I think they're just using the Final Fantasy VII fanboys because they're like, oh, we can take a crap in a jar and put a, <laughs> take a piece of duct tape or or uh, masking tape or something on put a label on it, write FF you know seven not even the numeral seven and people will buy it uh or not the, the roman numeral i should say uh and, and uh, you know it's just one of those things where i think it's it's an okay game 
I, yeah. I don't think it's as great as people say. And you know what? That's fine. If mm-hmm. that's your thing, if you want to put a picture of cloud on your wall and, and swoon <laughs> to him every night, I mean, go for it. Uh, you know, I think he's a lackluster protagonist in the final fantasy scheme. At the yeah. same time, there's a ton of games that I love that other people just like go like, oh, that's good, or I didn't like it, or most of them I didn't play, and okay. that's cool too because there's so many games. Yeah, like like I'm sure way more people played Elden Ring or God of War this year than AI the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative this year, and I think yeah. AI was a better game than both of them. Um, okay, but most people probably didn't play it the legend of heroes series or anything from falcon i know falcon is probably the best developer out there that no one's playing their games and i love Hmm. all of their releases they're fantastic and i'm starting to see like on twitter more people playing the trails of games and they're starting to to play them and be like oh my god i've been missing out and i'm like yeah and i was missing out too until i started (laughs) them and so i get it you know and ease you know ease 10 was just announced and people are like oh i'm finally getting into ease 8 and oh my god this game is so good i'm like I know. Uh, so there's a ton of those those games and games that people don't even look at, don't don't even bother. You know, visual novels. You know, yeah. guarantee the majority of people um, will probably go like, I don't even know what that is, or I, you know, and and if a friend of mine who says if I have to read in a video game, it's not a video game, <laughs> and I'm just like, you're missing out on some of the greatest stories because yeah. of that, and some of the greatest experiences. Um, games like Steins Gate, which is awesome. The Zero Escape games are, are amazing. Duncan Rampa, Ace Attorney. Uh, one game that I totally didn't expect to love, or, or even was was a game called Raging Loop, and that okay. that took me four hours, four days to beat that game, and I must have played it ten hours a day. I wow. couldn't pull myself away from that game, and it was just a visual novel with some cool stories and branches, and I I was hooked. I was like, this story is so good. I woke up and I'm like, the first thing I want to do is boot up this game and read more. Uh, it was just that good. And so few people have touched it. And that's the thing. This, this is infinite genres. This infinite style of games. Uh, one of the cool things that we get to do at Premium is we get to find some of these games, uh, especially the smaller indie games, and reintroduce them to the world. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite examples is a game called Phenotopia Awakening which is a small indie game done by a small studio came out in the eShop with a billion other games because, you know, every week there's a billion games released and uh, it floundered. It didn't sell well. And we as a company were introduced by a, a supporter said, Hey, check out this game. This game deserves a physical. So we did, we saw the trailer, we fell in love with it, contacted the developer and the developer said, you do not want to sign my game. I'm like, why don't, why don't I want to send your game? And I said, well, you don't because you were already approached by another physical publisher and they were interested and they asked what the physical sales or the digital sales were. And I told them it was crap and they backed away. They said, we don't want to sign your game. I'm like, what? So they said, yeah. And then we were approached by a second one and the same thing happened. So I'm just saving hmm. you the time. Don't even bother wasting my time or your time. The digital sales suck. You don't want to publish the game. And we all looked at each other and we're like, we love this game. Like, this game looks amazing. Like, what are you talking about? We don't care about the digital sales. And we had to sell the developer on, on their, their own game. <laughs> wow. And, and finally, you know, we got codes and we got to play it. We all fell in love and we signed the game and we released the game. And when we, re- when we put it in our direct, we saw the same thing across the board. Oh, my God. How have I never heard of this game? This game looks mm-hmm. incredible. 
I have to play this game. We we got it. We released it. We're you know we're doing a reprint on the game because it it just sold so well and and we just hear the same thing thanks for introducing us to this game yeah. this game is amazing and there's so many games like that there's so many games that people have never heard of uh whether it's a, a genre that you may not like or it's a you know just something you just never heard of because even in even in your favorite genre you just missed out on because of just it fell into the the sea of, of all these releases and you just didn't mm-hmm. hear anything no one talked about it because no one saw it and that's one of the cool things uh, we do the challenge cards with all of our releases where we, we, we get the developers to task everyone with the challenge and people open their game and actually play it as opposed to just putting it on the shelf. And they, uh, we said, Hey, uh, you know, do the challenge. And we've gotten emails of people completing the challenge and, and thanking us saying, thank you for introducing me to my new favorite game because i never would have played this game otherwise never would have been on my radar it's not the genre i like and if it wasn't for the challenge card i would have bought it because i'm a collector but i would have kept it sealed and now Mm -hmm. i can't stop playing it so thank you and i've seen that across the board and i my biggest takeaway from it is to anybody myself included if there's a game that's out of your comfort zone but you're hearing some good things or maybe if you're not hearing anything Maybe you just see the trailer and say, hey, this is an intriguing story. Give it a try because you never know. You yeah. know the game could resonate with you or you could play it an hour and go, I'm bored out of my skull. Like, please, I'm done. I, I give it a try. And that's fine, too. Not every game's for everybody. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really cool to hear about. And just like, I think that's the really cool thing about premium edition games that like you are finding games that people haven't heard of or haven't experienced yet and bringing them to physical media and letting people actually physically have the game but then experience it and then find ways to just like fall in love with that game or that genre and i think that's really cool especially like as i I know i mentioned like i have digital games um some digital games to like subscriptions and stuff but i do like physical copies and i feel like it just it makes the experience just better to me i don't know maybe it's that nostalgia of like you know saving up birthday money and cutting the lawn and stuff and then going to like target and you know, leaving with an actual physical game. Um, but yeah, I think just like having that physical aspect to the game just makes it really just more meaningful to me. And I think that's a really cool thing that Premium Edition Games does. Yeah, uh, I'm one of those people where if I get a game digitally, it's like I almost don't, I don't feel any ownership. So yeah, I it's hard for me to actually get into a digital game. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a physical and I pop it in there, it's like, all right, like, I'm settling down and I'm sitting down. I'm ready to go with this game. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving it more of my attention for some reason. It's just maybe it's a nostalgia of putting the cartridge in, or maybe <laughs> it's just the the knowledge that hey, I own this game. I want to give it 110 percent as opposed to because because you get uh, if you get digital games and they're so easy to just pick up and play. We have uh, 500 digital games. Oh, what? There's too many. There's mm-hmm. too many. It's just like oh, whatever it is. It, you could just bounce. It's too easy to bounce. As yeah. opposed to, hey, you know what? I'm I made this commitment. Like putting in the disc, putting in the cartridge. It's like I made this commitment to this game. So I've got to give it the time. As opposed to it's just, oh whatever. You know, I'll get back to it later and mm-hmm. later never happens. <laughs> Life yeah. changes it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um you know, I've I am a casual video game player. You know, I will you know, indulge every so often in, in kind of like what's going on uh, within the industry and stuff. But I'm not an expert by any means, and I, I don't know that much about it. But something that I have heard over the last 
probably a couple of years is, you know, some people are saying like, oh, we're moving towards an all digital future or that's what it's going to be like in a few years. Like, do you think that that is going to be the reality that we find ourselves in sometime? Or do you think like physical will always have a place within video games? I mean, I'm not an expert. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody right. claimed to be an expert on this because we can't. Um, we could follow trends is about as close as we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and and someone could say, oh, look, well, every year the the amount of digital games sold slightly goes higher and the amount of physical games sold goes slightly lower. And by those trends, theoretically, yes, it would, it would go to that. Um, how long it's going to take, who knows. But there's other factors at play. And it's not just sales. There's contracts involved with retail chains. Uh, you know, big big box retail chains have contracts with, um, you know, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony to provide physical games for their storefronts, which is why digital games uh, aren't, aren't cheaper, despite being just digital, because they have contracts with those physical. If, if they say, all right, well, we're going to sell, uh, let's just say the new Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. going to sell Tears of the Kingdom digitally for $30, but you can get it at Walmart for 60 or Target for 60 Uh Target and Walmart would be like, whoa, well, hold on, wait a minute. Like, you're you're selling this for half. We're, we're ordering all these copies, millions of copies from you to put in our she- store shelves, and you're undercut us. There's a reason that the digital is still 60 and that's the main reason. It's mm-hmm. so that those stores who are already purchasing copies are not getting slighted there's contracts in play so as long as those contracts and those are big contracts um there will always be physical if those if they say you know we're not seeing as much uh we're fine with those little cards instead um then things could change of course i don't think there's anything special about getting a little card with a scratch off (laughs) versus actually getting a physical game um it's just weird to me Um, but that's one of the factors and that's why you still see you know systems with discs or with cartridge i know there's still physical media slots now if the playstation 6 is only digital uh i think that would be a mistake yeah uh backwards compatibility is a big thing and there's a lot of people with physical ps4 games that are that they play them on their ps5 yeah and when the ps6 eventually comes out there's gonna be a lot of people with ps4 and 5 games and they're going to want to continue that trend. So maybe the PS6 will only have digital games, but it'll still have a disk drive for PS4 and 5. Um, kind of like the Wii. You know, the Wii had, you know, GameCube add-ons just for the mm-hmm. GameCube. Uh, and it, it had a special drive just for that smaller disk that was only used for reading GameCube discs. Um, but it was done on purpose. Yeah. So if the Switch 2 comes out and it does not feature a cartridge slot for the Switch or it does not feature a cartridge slot that can read Switch games, uh, I think that would be a big misstep by them. And if it's mm-hmm. a digital only without that, I think it would be huge. And I think it would, it would, it would definitely send a, a, a terrible message. But I don't yeah. think you're going to see that. Because when you have systems like the PS4 and the Switch that have sold well over 100 million units, like you know, PS4 I think is 117 and the, the Switch is like 118 last or something around those like stupid amounts of, mm-hmm. of units you don't want to piss those gamers off right with the new system that's that's too much money business is there for a reason and yeah. and you, you look at <clears throat> look at how many times they've tried to go digital uh, the yeah psp go 
was it was a huge example. PSP Go, here it is. And it was like, oh, well, in Japan, they released an adapter that you could put your UMDs in and convert them to digital at a cost. You had to pay extra to do that. Um, but otherwise, people didn't buy the PSP Go. I mean, some right. people did, of course, but why didn't it do well? Because everyone had a PSP, already had a library of physical games that they couldn't play on the go. Why would you buy another system and then have to rebuy all those games? That's silly. Yeah. So it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that, like, I don't know, I guess it's it just like there's there's business and what is best for a company. But, like, I think that the point that you brought up is, like, there's also the consumer that you, you have to consider the consumer, right? Like, yes, you know, do businesses are going to do what's best for them. And you could argue that they don't always care about the consumer. But, like, you don't want to upset the people that are buying all of your products right so you have to listen to what they want and yeah i think that you know psp go that's a good example of why it didn't work yeah and i'm not saying digital won't be there i'm just right. saying things will get both physical yes. and a digital version because you know some people mm -hmm. will say well digital can be cheaper look at steam sales and yeah. i argue look at black friday sales and and stuff yeah. right now there's been so many games that have been down to like ten dollars from from sixty dollars, like an Amazon or Target or GameStop. I mean, GameStop buy you know four for forty, you know ten dollar yeah. games, like on pre and pre-owned especially, you can get cheaper. You can't do that with digital. Right. So if anyone says, well, digital, I could save money by doing a Steam sale. Great, you can, but you could also save that by going physical. If you don't have to have things right away, you're not getting mm -hmm. Steam sale items right away either. Um, it's all older stuff. So there's benefits to both there but there's negatives to both too negatives right. to physical are you can i've seen people say i you could lose your your game in the same way you could also lose your system but right. yeah you could lose your game you know the game could break i mean it takes a lot to break a blu-ray disc but i guess if you take a camera and some nails to it uh you <laughs> could absolutely break it sure i mean i, I would question your motives but <laughs> by, by the i mean it could get run over by a car but i don't know why you would have your loose disc or even your game case out there to be run over by a car right um but you could also have problems with digital you know hard drives fail we've seen yeah. it time and time again hard drives fail and you don't own it so mm -hmm. if you say i'm done with this game and you paid 60 dollars for it great you're stuck with it now if you're right. a collector and you don't mind keeping a game for six sure but if you say, hey, I'm on a budget and I can't afford to do that and I need to trade in this game uh, to put that money towards another game, you can do that. Or yeah. you could trade with a friend. Oh, I got this game. You have that game. You could easily trade. Or if you have a family, what if you got like multiple kids mm -hmm. and one kid wants one game and the other kid wants another one and you have digital only, you know, they're stuck with their systems. And if they want to trade games afterwards, they have to buy another copies or, or right. some kind of weird shares. But it's so much easier with physical. It's just here. Here, just yeah. <laughs> hand, literally handed to them. There's no runarounds. There's no, you know, and uh, they, they're doing digital ways of circumventing that and family shares and all this. Sure. Stuff. Those things are happening, but those are still more complicated than literally just handing over a disc yeah. to somebody else. Exactly. It's, it's the easiest thing to do is to hand something to somebody else and whatever yeah. it is. Uh, so there's so many positives and negatives to both. So whether the future is going to be digital or only, I'm assuming eventually, 
uh, yeah. you know, eventually it's all going to go digital. I mean, we probably won't even go digital only the way we're thinking of it. It'll probably be digital into our brains where we close <laughs> our eyes and we see a TV screen and we say, yeah. well, we want to boot up and we play it with our minds. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, anyone says, oh, it's definitely going to happen. That's not true. It's most yeah. likely going to happen. We don't know how long. And even even when it happens, even when it happens, as long as factories are still producing physical games, you're still going to see people, older games getting put out physical. I mean, look, yeah. there are still people making NES games to this day. Or plenty of other retro systems. They're still making aftermarket games, physical games for those systems. Why? Yeah. Because there's still a market. Is there yeah. millions of people looking? No. No. <laughs> but there's still a market. And as long right. as there's a market, people will find a way to keep making games. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, something that I wanted to ask you, Barry, is, um, you know, with with your passion for video games, that's something you've always had. And, you know, now fast forward to your life now and you have, you know, the podcast that you're a part of. You have premium edition games. Um, you're in, an analyst for video games. Like, did you think that you would be doing these types of, of work or these types of jobs in video games when you were, I guess, younger growing up or... How did that come about? I mean, I think we all think we're going to be doing different things than what we wind up being. <laughs> I true. mean, as a kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist, and that really okay. panned out for me. You know, I just love dinosaurs, like most yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I went to school. Uh, I went to school for architecture uh, to design houses. Uh, yeah. Just, I love doing it. And then I switched to computer science because I was like, ooh, I can make games, and I've always wanted to make games. And... Uh, as I realized my college was teaching me stuff that was, it was moving so fast that I felt when I got out of college, I was, I was going to be behind already. And that scared me to be in an industry that was moving that quickly. And, uh, I switched and, and I got a, a writing degree instead. And I did, you know, journalistic writing and creative writing. And, uh, that's what I did. I, I happened, uh, I was doing that fine. I was actually going in for teaching. I used to do teaching, uh and all that stuff because I, I love educating i you mm -hmm. know it's one of the reasons i collect is it's not just to have for the sake of having but i like to build displays and i like to you know educate people on different things that, that people don't know about in the history or, or at least there's not a lot of documentation on uh and uh with with some of my friends we become like historians on it and uh working on books and stuff but it's uh with the podcast, it was just one of those, hey, uh, listening to it. I lo love what you guys do, and I'd love to write for the site and started doing reviews for the site. And Hey, they had an opening, so I said, let me get on it. And, you know, the rest I say is history. And it's it's just <clears> about <throat> being in the right place at the right time. And, and when doing it, it was just like, oh, this is something fun. I, I could sit here and talk video games, and that's great. Let's do it. Uh, so I did, and it, people started following me and I'm like, why, why are you following me? What do you want to say? Really? Um, you know, and, and the same with the premium playcast. It was just right place, right time. Got in uh, when there was an opening and uh, it just so happens that my co-host with the premium playcast, uh, Jeffrey Wittenhagen uh, was like, Hey, I'm starting up uh, a uh, physical publisher uh, for the switch. Uh, is that something you would be interested in being a part of? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I get to talk to developers and get to, you know, help release games into the industry. Like, yes, absolutely. So 
you know, the rest they say is history. Here I am, you know, doing conventions and, you know, people come to panels that I do, which is the weirdest thing. Like, you really <laughs> want to listen to me for an hour? Like, what the, are you feeling okay? But it's humbling <laughs> and, and it's, it's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't tell you where I'm going to be in, in a year, let alone five years. And, and right. I just, if, if I'm able to do what I'm able to do, uh, with involving games it's a it's a blessing and i count my blessings every single day the blessings that i have a supportive wife who allows me to do this instead of being oh you know you need to you need to go do other things or even writing books like you know you have like eight novels in this time you know you could be doing that uh that you've been doing premium stuff it's like no i'm just I love talking with developers. I love making, you know, their dreams come true and talking to other publishers and, you know, talking with the the fans and the supporters and the, just the, everyone who, who loves video games and just being able to, to talk to them. is just, it's wonderful. It's, it's the best thing outside of my wife that's really happened in my life right now. And uh, that's awesome. So I had no idea yeah. I was going to be here. It was just happenstance that I, I went down this road and where I am in five years or 10 years or 20 years, I don't know. I, I hope I hope I'm still doing the same thing. I hope I'm still enjoying it. But, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, anything can happen. Right. And, and uh, I don't like to make plans that far out. And yeah. So I just hope wherever I'm at, I'm happy because uh, that's the that's the end goal. Right. Just life is short. Let's just be happy. Yeah. No, I, I love hearing your journey. And I think you're, you're right. You know, life is short. You know, be happy when you can. And it sounds like you've definitely found ways to do that and to just find that passion that you've had all your life and really turn it into things that you can do um, with, you know, the majority of your time and, and to really feel fulfillment uh, from it. And, you know, something that I think is an interesting topic is the idea of some people say, like, you know, when you have a passion, don't turn it into a job because then it doesn't stay as a passion it becomes your job and it sounds like from your experiences it still stayed a passionate been where it's like oh you know now I don't really like it as much or I don't have that same love that I had and I'm sure you might have days where you're like oh man like you know I, do I really want to play another video game but for the most part it sounds like you've been able to maintain that passion even when you combine it with work is that correct no it is i, I don't okay. consider i don't consider premium or even the podcasting uh any of it journalism any of it a job it's okay. uh, it's all passion it's, it's a yeah. hobby um to me uh, now that being said there are absolutely times where i've had to review games um you know, we're, we're giving codes and saying, you know, please review this for like Nintendo Fuse or even games to uh, test uh, for premium that I, it's not what I want to do. And I only say that because like if I'm in the middle of like a really good RPG or a really good, you know, open world game, like it's got its hooks into me. I don't want to play anything else. So right. no, no slight on any of those other games at all. It's just like, oh, my God, like I am addicted to this game right now. I want to finish it. This is all I want to do. And now I've got to stop doing that to play another, which is hard because now I have a resentment. Like you're taking me away. Yeah. Um, like I got to feel objective. So sometimes I have to put things off just a little bit till I get to a stopping point. I'm like, all right, now I can comfortably go enjoy those other games. And a lot of times I wind up getting addicted to those games. And I'm like, oh, no, now what do I do? Uh, so it's like total. Ha we always say like hashtag first world problems. It's like, right. oh, no. 
but then there's other times for review that not every game is, is as good. And there's times I've had to review games that have not been uh, that great. And it's like, oh, I got to go another round and I got to yeah. get enough content so, and play it long enough so I can give an objective review. But, but oh, man, this game is not good. Uh, you know, it's no, those are torture. That's when playing video games is more torture. But again, it's hashtag first world problems. Oh, right. no, I've got to play a bad video game. Uh, so, so yeah, there's definitely a difference uh, when playing a game for review uh, mm-hmm. versus playing a game for fun. But most most times I get that enjoyment of playing a game for review and just falling in love with it. And then it'll be like, oh, wow, like I'm glad I played this because I yeah. played this for fun anyways. And the same with signing. There's so many games that we've signed, uh, games that we've already released at premium and games that we can't talk about yet because they're signed and they're, they're part of future series that you know, I pick up and play and I couldn't put down and I finished to completion and I'm just like, oh my God, I just had the greatest time with this game and I'm so happy that other people will get to experience it. Like, I think it was two years ago, they did, like Nintendo did the, uh, you know, their year review and like the, mm-hmm. the, the day you spent the most time playing yeah. the game was in sometime in September of 2021. I spent like 14 hours playing Cathedral in that day. <laughs> and I was like, I was addicted. I'm like, this game is so good. And I've shown that to people when they like at conventions and they're like, how was cathedral? And I'm like, I'm just going to show you this picture. Yeah. Like, we're so honored that we got to bring it physical because I was addicted to that game. That game is so great. And, and it, I've been addicted to every game we've released of, of premium. Just like it's hooked me. And that's one of the ways where I'll, you know, say like, you know, you know, because we, we all play games to release. And I'll be like, this is why I say this is a yes, because I couldn't put it down. This game hooked me. And uh, we, we just hope that also resonates with the fans when they get their, mm-hmm. their hands on it and get to try it. But, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to get to play games. But, again, it's, it's a hobby. It, you know, I've never looked at Premium or Nintendo Fuse or the Playcast as work. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at it as... I'm getting to to spend more time with my passion. Right. I couldn't ask for more. I love that. And, you know, to anyone that's listening, Barry, and, you know, maybe they love video games and they think like, oh, my gosh, you know, what Barry's doing is awesome to, you know, have podcasts or be on podcasts or to, you know, go to go to conventions or be on panels, you know, all the cool things that you've you've had the opportunity to do. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to try to get into the industry a bit? Um, my advice is persistence. Um, okay. Advice is if you want to get into the industry, first off, figure out what you want to do, what, what your goal is, what your what aspect of the industry because the industry is is broad Mm -hmm. um there's a lot to it so you know definitely if you're already a a programmer um work on your own game for example if you have zero experience whatever but you just love video games um look into games journalism look you know find it find sites um that are like hey you know what we can pull you on uh do freelance work uh, don't don't expect to just break into the industry getting a paycheck like you just it's very very unlikely if you have mm-hmm. no skills whatsoever like you're just you're green um do freelance work build up your resume get your name out there um if you have skills in certain aspects uh, whether it be like customer service uh see if any store any any companies are looking for customer service uh if you have you know graphic artists see if any you know companies are willing to 
you know, say, hey, work with us here. Um, that's one of the things we do with premium. We, we have a, a, a small but a good team and we're always looking for people who are willing to help out in different aspects. And uh, we're, we're community, or a company pretty much built by the community for the community with assistance from the community. And there's always, always <laughs> different things that can be done. Uh, and location, right. location used to be a super important thing. Um, but now with, you know, the way the internet works and people can work from home, it's, uh, it's less of a thing yeah. because you, you know, we do everything remote and, and a lot of companies do everything remote and there's, there's always something to do and don't, don't get discouraged is my other advice. So if you say, Oh, I want to do this and I'm going to reach out and they say they're not hiring or there's no room for me there. Don't get discouraged and kick your feet and go, well, I tried like, no, try again. <laughs> There's yeah. absolutely more to do. There, there's, there's always other companies. This industry is, is very, very broad, mm-hmm. and and that's the best thing I can suggest is just keep trying. And uh, you know, we're we're very tight knit. The entire industry is tight knit. A lot of people, you know, are friends with each other and work with each other and help each other out. And, uh, you know, if one, one place may not be hiring, they may say, well, hold on, I've got friends at another company. Uh, I can reach out for you. And, you know, it's, it's just a great community overall. Yeah. And, uh, I wish you the best of luck. And, and, you know, I hope you find what you're looking for. I hope you get into the industry. And you could even do things like just podcasting. Start that way. Yeah. Do podcasting and do interviews and reach out and say, hey, would you, you know, I, I do inter- interviews, uh, Nintendo Fuse on the, we have a, a channel or a, we have a, a show on our YouTube called Industry Talk, where I've sat down with developers and publishers, even before premium, just to talk, talk to people and, and see what they say and interview them. Uh, you know, I had no experience prior to. I just said, let me see if they'll do it. And <laughs> they did. And it was great. And I still do it to this day. And I met some really great friends that way that I still talk to. And, and I just keep doing, you know, just just keep at it. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's great advice. And, you know, I think that um, Barry kind of highlighted it, you know, with with the last part that he was saying is, is kind of the idea that when you're getting started with something or, you know, maybe you've you've started, but you're looking to get more experience or, you know, maybe you want to talk to people within the industry and learn from from them or from experts in the industry. You'd honestly be surprised how many people are willing to to give you, you know, five, 10 minutes of their time or to do a full interview or to give you some advice or, you know, whatever it might be. I think like sometimes you might get a little intimidated and be like, oh, like they're never going to respond or they won't email me back or something. But I don't know. Like, I think when people are genuinely interested in what you do, you're you're just there's something about it that like you're like, oh, yeah, like, of course, I'll, you know, give you an interview or I'll I'll give you, you know, a 20 minute call or something so we can talk about how I got into the industry or something. So like don't underestimate the, the ability of just like, you know, politely um, and respectfully reaching out and, you know, asking to, to get to talk to someone about their experiences. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like any job. You do a resume, you send out your resumes, you know, or, or college. If you're, you know, in high school listening to this and you're thinking about college, you send out to a bunch of different schools and you hope you get accepted. You mm-hmm. put out a bunch of applic. You know, if you go for a job, you don't go to one place and put your application in and hope you get the job. You you go to multiple places. Right. It, it's easier to tell a job no because you've got another offer than to sit there and go, well, I didn't get that job. Now I'm doing nothing. Um, it's the same thing with this, you know, like you said, it's great. Reach out to people, send messages. Not -hmm. everybody will respond and don't take it to heart. Sometimes people respond a month later or two months later when they finally see that message. 
um, they've been busy or they just missed it. Um, and sometimes they may never respond and that's okay too, but just keep, keep going out there, keep asking, keep sending messages. You know, there, there's, I've, I send messages every day to different people in the industry and sometimes they get responses right, right away and great conversation. Sometimes I'll get a response and that will be the only response and I never hear back. And sometimes I don't get a response at all, or it comes a week later or two weeks later or whatever. Um, it's just about patience and persistence. So if someone's not responding, have patience. If you want, send a follow-up after, you know, a couple of weeks uh, and just, you know, maybe a couple <laughs> months, whatever. You know, persistence mm-hmm. does pay off, but so does patience. Just, just be respectful. Don't nag yeah. anybody. Don't be like, hey, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you see me? I really want to talk to you. Hey, we don't, because that's just going to alienate. Just be respectful exactly. of everyone's time. Be respectful of the person and, and polite. And, you know, you can absolutely get whatever, well, pretty much whatever you want, just as long as you're willing to work for it. Yeah, definitely. Patience and persistence are huge. And yeah, just, you know, with whatever you do, just be, be respectful, be, you know, courteous and, you know, just, um, I don't know. I think like, just understand that, yes, like, you know, this opportunity might help you or might work out well for you, but it's also someone giving something of their own, their time, their resources, you know, whatever. So just, you know, be, be respectful of that and be mindful of, of that as well. But I think that's great advice. And, um, you know, Barry, as, as we're kind of wrapping things up a little bit, I, have a couple kind of just like, I don't know if we'll, we'll call them rapid fire, but just like a couple questions that I, I'm curious to ask you. Yeah, sure. First question that I have is as a collector, what would be like one of the prized possessions in your collection? So that that's a question I've gotten quite a bit. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard because everyone has their own personal holy grail. And I love seeing, you know, people talk about like, Oh, what's your holy grail? And everyone's different. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's as simple as, Oh, I would love to have like a link to the past. And you're, you know, you may be sitting there looking at your shelf, like, Oh, there's my link to the past that I played as a kid. I still have it. Um, but to them, they didn't. And, and everybody is different. And that's why I think is so fascinating about collecting. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own holy grails, their own, you know, goals. Uh, and what someone may treasure, other people may not. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. So for me, I think one of my holy grails, and I, you know, it's it's tough because they're all, you know, everything in my collection, I have a personal attachment to, I have a story to. Right. Um, but I think for me, one of the things I'm proudest of finding, and it was is a uh, there's a game that was released for the PSP called The Hilton Family, at least on the UMD it was called The Hilton Family. It's really called The Hilton Garden Inn, like a trainer. And um, what it was, was it was a game that was sent to Hilton Garden Inns as a training tool in America <laughs> to, to teach employees how to do like housekeeping, how to do the front yeah. desk, stuff like that. It was never supposed to be for, for a retail release or for public, but it was an official game manufactured by Sony because they, they made UMDs, they, they're proprietary. And it was only sent to a small number of Hilton Garden Inns. And they were so protective with this game because one of the, there was, there was not a lot of information out there, but one thing I knew is that you needed a special memory stick because that memory stick contained uh, files. So if you had the UMD and you put it into a PSP without that memory stick, it would not boot up. It was like super protective. 
So I finally found somebody that had it. And it wasn't cheap, but they had it with the memory stick. So they showed it working. I said, okay. So I convinced my wife to go for it. And we got it. (laughs) And it arrived. And I was so happy. And I put it in my UMD. Put the UMD in my PSP. And I threw the memory stick in there. And I booted it up. And it still wouldn't work. I'm like, why is this not working? And I'm like, well, maybe it needs to be under like a certain like firmware. Because it was like, oh, it needs like 3.0 or whatever. So mm-hmm. one of my PSPs I had, I, I managed to upgrade to 3.0. I found a game that would upgrade it. Uh, I was like, here is 3.0. Tried it. It still didn't work. So I messaged the seller because I did spend money on it. And I was like, all right, you know, like, this isn't working. And I showed, I showed screenshots and everything. He's like, well, it's, it worked with my PSP. I said, well, would you sell your PSP? Like, oh, I was going to keep it because it's in good condition, but sure, I'll sell it. And he sold it for me a decent price. Um, and it turns out that it wasn't just the UMD that was needed for the game to run as part of their protection, but the actual PSP that was sent to the Hilton Garden Inns that contained that memory stick in there and the game, mm. it, it needed all three things. Got and it. that PSP is a PSP 3000 that's all black. You couldn't, no, no deciding factor, no logo or anything. So when that arrived, I opened it up. I put the memory stick in. I put the game in. And sure enough, the game booted right up and I was able to play it. I was like, oh my God, like this is insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm very proud that I eventually was able to get that whole trifecta. Yeah. And I love the story behind it. I think it's just like those are the kind of gaming things I love, like those oddball things that people won't know about. And, yeah. and the majority of people probably won't care or, or they'll be like, <laughs> that's neat to have. Maybe if I found it for like 20 bucks, like, OK, yeah, good luck. Um, it's, it's just one of those weird things where to me it's it's fun and it's it's cool. And it, it's a story. It's a conversation piece yeah. as well as an education piece. Um and other people might be listening to this and going, that's neat, but I'd rather have, you know, the Uncharted 2 collector's edition with the statue that's worth a lot of money. Like, that's cool. Everyone yeah. has their own things. Um, you know, everyone goes their own way and, and loves what they love. And that's just one of my holy grails that I just love that story and love the fact that, you know, we were able to discover that and actually reunite all three pieces. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool story. And you mentioned that you like to educate people. And I had no idea about that at all. I had never heard anything um, about that that game or, or kind of like the, the thought process um, behind like the training um, that I was supposed to do for employees. So that was really, actually really cool to hear about. And I was like sitting at the edit- end of my chair, just like, <laughs> okay, like what, what's going on? And then you're like, it didn't work. I was like, oh man, okay, now what? So you can, that, you... was, that was a really cool story. <laughs> you, can, you can like Google... Uh, you can Google it, and, and there's a, a Rares did a video. Uh, it's how I actually discovered about it. I saw okay. his video, and then uh, you know I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Uh, would love to get my hands on it." And I managed to find a copy somehow, and it just I worked it. out. But yeah, but I'm glad to have that in the collection. Definitely, I love it. Um, if there was one thing that you could add to the collection, um, you know, you could just snap your fingers and have it into the collection right now. What would it be? Uh, I mean, there's always, you know, any, any priceless, you know, probably Nintendo artifact or, or concept stuff, you know, stuff that we don't even know about that's in the vault yeah. or something like that. Um, more realistically, I mean, it would, 
you know, and I wouldn't say no to a Nintendo World Championship gold card. Or, you know, okay. that, would, that would be nice. If I had the room, the answer would be an F-Zero AX uh, <laughs> cabinet that had yeah. the, the hydraulics and all that stuff. I uh, would love that, too. But, okay. But those, those take up a little room. and I Yeah, a little bit. Have, just a little bit. I don't have that room. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's probably that like more realistically, if I had, you know, if I, since I don't have the room, I would love a Nintendo world championship gold card, of course. Um, or, or again, yeah. even more so than that, something from the Nintendo vault that has never seen the eyes of days, like, like, you know, the sketchbook where like Mario stuff was drawn yeah. by Yoro Miyamoto and there's one of a kind kind of deal. Like I would love things like that, just the oh, yeah. point of view, but but again, like I would also feel kind of guilty if I had that. Like, no, I, sh- I should put that in like a museum for other people. Right. To enjoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that it would be something along those lines. Okay, perfect. Um, this is a question. If you can answer it, um, if not, no worries. But is there, like, is there a game that you would love Premium Edition to to bring physically or to to bring back? Um, you know, just the game that you loved or that you would really think like people should should get that physical experience with it on uh you know the modern consoles well that's actually a question i've gotten something similar in terms of like a dream game like would you love okay to um there's a lot of games that i would love to talk about that i can't talk about um yeah. there's a lot of whether it be because we're actually doing it or because if some you know another company might be doing it um mm-hmm. which case i still can't say another company's doing it um but if i could do a dream game if if it would be something from Nintendo, something from Capcom, something from Square, something where they released it digitally and they just refused to give us a physical copy. Um, I'd love to get it restored and preserved. Uh, some examples I've given has been uh, the Fire Emblem 1 uh, English translation that they put on the eShop for five bucks and then they took it away mm-hmm. and they gave us that Fosical big collector's edition that just yeah. had a download code, which is so stupid. Um, I would love to get a physical of that. Uh, I'd do the Famicom Detective Club games. I'd love to do a two-pack in America because it got a Japanese release, but I'd love to do an American release from Nintendo. You know, something from like Capcom, pretty much any of the games they've they've put out that they have not done physicals for Sega too. Like, you know, Sonic Origins never got a physical. I'd love to get that. And Square. Uh, just any of the any of their games that they've put out star oceans the earlier star oceans are on the okay. like let's get those physical i'd love to uh i think those would be great but unfortunately i you know they're, they're not gonna look at us there a lot of japanese companies don't even care about american companies like that um so that's that's a pipe dream if, okay. if, if i can make it happen if you know some connections you're listening go oh <laughs> i know the guy who's in charge of that and you can send them my way uh i will i will make that happen like that like we at premium we we absolutely we play the games we have a we, we decide together as a group you know but those are games that i guarantee you wouldn't even need to be played it would just be an instant yes like yes yeah. let's get the contract out there like i would i i know i would get zero resistance by anybody on any of those games that's awesome okay yeah if you're listening and you have the connection you know reach out to barry (laughs) let's make it happen let's make it happen i would love it awesome uh last question i have for you is uh you know bringing things back to current gaming um 2023 is upon us is is there a one title that you're really looking forward to this year there's a lot of titles i'm looking forward to this okay (laughs) i'm tears of the kingdom of course naturally yeah 
I'm um, looking forward to whatever the extra story content from Xenoblade 3 is going to be. Uh, we got two Trails games. Um, Trails into Azor and uh, Reverie are coming out this year. Uh, very much looking forward to both of those. It's just, it's insane. Just, just in those alone, like that's so many hours. Whatever, there's also whatever yeah. we don't know about. There's uh, Octopath Traveler 2 is coming out this year. Very yep. much looking forward to that. Uh, Azure, uh, well, Atelier Ariza 3 is coming out. Uh, looking forward to that. It's just so many things. And it's just, it's game after game after game. Still, and I love it. I love it. And yeah. there's still so much that we don't know about. Right. <laughs> and those are just like, just coming off the top of my head. I'm sure if I looked at a list, I'd be like, oh yeah, how can I not talk about that or that or that? Right. Um, you know, there's there's quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's games that, you know, who knows? Like, I'm not really looking forward to Fire Emblem Engage. I'm going to get it. But who knows? I could hear the great reviews and be like, all right, let's give it a shot. Um, you know, the Kirby, I, I did Kirby on the Wii, so I don't know if I'll play yeah. it again on the Switch. But it's, it's great for those that never got to play that game. It's a great game. Right. Uh, and, and who knows? Uh, oh, Final Fantasy 16. How could I forget? Final Fantasy 16 is coming out this year. Uh, looking forward to that. Like, there's just so many. <laughs> there's the new Bayonetta. That's coming out. The, yep. the, the Chronicles, or the Origins. Uh, that looks really cute. So it's, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good but a busy year. It busy like. year. Oh, very busy year. <laughs> but a very good year at the same yes. time. That's that's all that you could hope for, right? <laughs> hey, I like it. I like to keep busy. And that's, that's exactly. those are just the big games I want to play. That's not even touching the games I'm playing for review or for premium, you know, to talk about possible physical. Right. Yeah, man, your your list is just going to keep growing and growing. <laughs> it, it grows every day. Before this yeah. podcast, I was playing some games, and after this podcast, I'll be playing more. <laughs> there we go. That That's when you know it's truly a passion. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Barry, you know, I know you kind of touched on a little bit um, in the introduction piece, but uh, to anyone that is listening to our podcast and they want to check out uh, some of your work, what you're up to, maybe, you know, just say hey what's up uh, what's kind of like the best places for people to check out uh you and your content sure uh so if you want to get in touch with just me on twitter you could find me at hawk hellfire um for premium edition games you can go to premiumeditiongames.com we have a bunch of in stock items that are shipping right now including wonderling dx and rainier parade have just come in so the first half of series four are available right now they are shipping both the standards and retros so do not miss out on those um, we also have pre-orders for series five titles love three eagle island twist raji and ancient epic and they bleed pixels um low low quantities left on those for the initial printing so make sure to get those orders in uh, they will be entering production soon uh, and of course stay tuned on social media like uh, Twitter, we are at Premium Edition 1. Everywhere else, we're Premium Edition Games. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. We have a Discord. Uh, you don't want to miss out. We've got some really exciting things for 2023 that I very much look forward to sharing with everyone. As for uh, the Premium Playcast, you can also find that on all uh, you know podcasting services as well as at premiumeditiongames.com. And Nintendo Fuse, you can find us at nintendofuse.com where we have articles as well as links to our podcast. Uh, you can find our podcast also on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nintendo Fuse, as well as all podcasting services. And you can also find us on social media on Twitter at Nintendo Fuse and pretty much everything at Nintendo Fuse. 
Okay, perfect. And um, I will put everything that Barry just went over in the description of this episode. So if you didn't catch anything or you just want to see it all kind of in writing, uh, go down to the description and check it out. And then check out, you know, all the great things that, that Barry mentioned, whether it's you want to give the the podcast a listen, you want to check out some of Premium Edition's games that they have or that they're going to be coming out with, or just want to talk to Barry and just say, hey, I heard you on the podcast or, you know, Please. ask him for his opinion on games. Uh, he, he's a great person and I'm sure he'd love to, to chat about things. And if you send me a message and you say, hey, I heard you on Zach's podcast, I'll immediately send Zach a message and, and say, hey. You heard someone found me from the podcast. Thank you so much uh, for connecting. There we go. Someone awesome. Yes, that'd be awesome. So, you know, please, please do. Um, I definitely encourage you to reach out to Barry. He's, he's an awesome guy. And I would love to hear, I'd love to get a message from him saying, hey, you know, so-and-so just reached out to me from, and they heard us on the podcast. So um, definitely, definitely do reach out. But um, Barry, is there any last uh, thoughts, message, words that you want to give to the people listening tonight? I'd just like to say thank you so much for listening this far. Uh, hopefully we've entertained you for the last hour. Uh, you know, it's the early, early, really early 2023. So I hope you have a wonderful new year. I hope you have a wonderful 2023 in gaming, whether that be playing the newest games, whether it's playing a backlog or discovering, a, you know, a brand new favorite or replaying an old favorite. Just as long as you're having fun and enjoying yourself, I hope your year is awesome. And if you do check out any of our stuff, please, you know, say hi. Uh, would love to talk. Would love to know that you found us through this podcast. And uh, if you do pick up any premium edition games, I hope you enjoy them. They are very near and dear to all of us. And uh, just, just thank you. Just be nice to each other and just have fun. There we go. I totally agree. Well, Barry, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's been really great getting to talk to you and uh, just to hear about your experiences and all the great things that you've done and continue to do. And I'm excited to see you know, what you continue to do. And I'm, I'm excited for all the gaming that we'll have uh, this coming year. And I'm excited to hear you know, more, more about how the, those games are going on your end. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. The, the yeah. honor and privilege was all mine. Of course. Well, thank you again. You have a good night, Barry. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye.